Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to a bonus edition of the Terra Scotch Football Podcast. My name is Duncan Mackay and today I am joined by two people who are, quite frankly, sensational. It is Robert Borthwick. Oh my God, what, what incredible. Thank you, Duncan. Just thought, I just thought, I'd, I'd, like, I, I'm, too, I'm too negative about Hibs, so I'm going to just be positive about everything else I can. Love that, love that. Thank you very much. And Andy Harrow. Hi Duncan, how you doing? Um, I'm smashing. It is we are mere hours away from. Well, I mean, we're always hours away from something, but we are mere countable hours away from the start of the the, the Scottish Premiership season. Uh, how are we feeling about it? Are we excited? Yes. Yeah, yeah I'll fill the gap that uh, we created there. Yes, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I, I think there, there's there's a lot of interest in. Uh, storylines about this season and we'll, I guess we'll get to some of them but I, I, last season was quite a bad one in terms of the premiership in terms of the quality it, it was it was poor and from I know I didn't I was obviously paying more attention to the championship last season but I didn't um, I didn't especially enjoy last year particularly uh, so yeah I'm looking forward to this one though I've got a, a renewed sense of optimism about it I think it was quite uh, nervy last season as well for lots of like lots of COVID related reasons like you know it was still it wasn't quite back to normal quite yet and then we had a bit of a stop start so fingers crossed this is just uh, full blooded uh, hatred and nonsense uh, that we that we come to, to love and expect so as uh, we normally do around this time of the season just as a preview Fowler has sent down the message from on high from his um, mansion in, in um, near Sockton um, I'll not reveal too much and it's not Sockton prison by the way um, we've got a question about each team in the premiership uh, as a kind of a kickoff for for what things might happen to that club during the year, and, and so we're going to try and answer them. So we'll go reverse alphabetical order because we always almost always go alphabetical order. So we're going to kick off with Saint Mirren. Here's my question to you: Is the bigger concern for Saint Mirren this season st- uh, not Stephen Robinson but Keith Lasley? Who's going to uh, Rob? Do you want to kick us off with that? Yeah, man, the, the issue is Stephen Robinson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if we're just going to dive straight in there, like, ever since that uh, that Morecambe club car was spotted in Paisley uh, when he was on his way up to, to sign the deal last season, I think alarm bells were ringing. They, they did not uh, do well at all at the tail end of last season under Stephen Robinson. I think that, you know, immediately he came in and said, you know, I've overtaken a squad in a good place. Jim Goodwin's done a good job. And then they lost three games on the bounce and he said, nah, do you know what, this squad's not good enough. And it's like, well, that's an issue in itself because you're kind of going back on what you said um, 
and and using uh, Duncan McKay's uh, sort of timing metric hours ago. So I think that you know it's it's an issue. And you look at the fact that obviously Keith Lasley now obviously he's uh, the the high heat at, uh, at St Mirren, and, and you're looking at the the signing policy being essentially just former players that played under Stephen Robinson at Motherwell. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's the manager that has to put that squad together, that has to put the time in to get players playing in a specific and certain way. And I think that, you know, with the way the Premier Sports Cup has gone for them, uh, i.e. catastrophically, um, you know, it, it doesn't bode well at all for a, a new season. You, you look at you look at signs like Declan Gallagher and, and you know, my, my two least favourite words in football on paper, he is a decent signing, but he's, he's suffered terribly at uh, Aberdeen. He's dropped so far off the Scotland national team spectrum that I don't think he'll ever even get a whisper of a call-up again. He's coming into a, a, a St Mirren team. Obviously, he's coming into a manager that he knows, but it doesn't mean that it's going to work out. And I think that there's just a bit of a... Yeah, there, there's there's pure feeling at St Mirren just now. And there's a team that we're going to get onto literally next that I think might save their behinds this season. But St Mirren is it's not looking great. But on the flip side of it, you know, I like what I've seen, albeit on my scout on YouTube, of Keanu Bacchus. Uh, who came in from Western Sydney Wanderers? You know, I, I think that they have signed some some decent players to come in and make a difference. But to answer your question, the issue is going to be Stephen Robinson. And if we're looking for a, a sack race this season, uh, then I, I'd put him pretty near the front of it. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I think I picked him in the, the predictions that Gary did. I have to go and double check, but I'm pretty sure Stephen Robinson's the one I've got. I, I agree with Rob that he he's the issue. I think in terms of for for all the reasons that Rob explained, that I'll not not repeat. From Keith Lasley's perspective, I think the thing that you could argue about him is that he's going to make mistakes as a as a director of football. He's you know he's done his master's degree as a, a sporting director, effectively. Um, he, he does have, in theory, an understanding of kind of what fan ownership is like and how that has worked well at Motherwell and how he can kind of develop that at St Mirren. And there's been some sort of positive chat over the last few days around him talking to different fan groups and, and putting some initiatives together to help uh, people within the community, which is which is really good. And hopefully that continues. From the footballing perspective side of things, that's a big jump up. You know, man, from, from football player to manager is a big step because there's all these different things that you're working with, but you're still effectively working with football players and you're working within a, a sphere that you understand. As soon as you go into the sort of chief executive director type role, that's a whole another level of things that... Uh, that can cause problems. Like I've, I've been watching, for whatever reason, lots of old Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares at the moment. Uh, <laughs> like lot, lots of old American Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. And the, the one of the big problems that almost everyone comes up with in that is that they've gone from being like a, a maybe a chef, but they've maybe gone from being a mechanic to running a kitchen. And then they just don't fundamentally don't understand all the ins and outs of what needs, you know, the stock isn't ever replenished properly or they've got too much of it. They don't really know how to deal with staff. Like there's so many different things that they need to do that they have no real understanding of. So they made lots of mistakes. And I think that's the the danger that might happen with Keith Lasley is that he is going to make mistakes in that role. You would hope, in theory, because he's got an experienced manager alongside him, that that is mitigated somewhat. But given the uh, given the problems that um, we've got around Robinson and the, the concerns, you could see him having to kind of very quickly pick a pick a new manager, which again is fraught for for even more reasons. So, I know, yeah, yeah. yeah, sacking your mate is probably not a, 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 an easy thing uh, to do, especially when the, the dynamics were previously that uh, Lasley was his, his assistant manager, wasn't he? So, but yeah, I was uh, I was fortunate fortunate enough, if you're uh, minded that way, to see uh, Airdrie beat uh, St Mirren in the Premier uh, Premier League Cup. Premier Sports League Cup, and they they absolutely deserved their two 0 win. Like they were just significantly better by them by a mile, and that's a that's a League Two, League One side even. Um, and it was interesting because both teams want to play uh, play out from the back, and it was noticeable how much <laughs> a part time uh, trio of uh, you know Reese McCabe and, and Craig Watson and. Uh, and I can't remember, sorry, I've forgotten the, uh, the final player uh, were better than than um, you know Charles Dunn and uh, uh, Declan Gallagher. So I, th- I don't think that that particularly augurs well. But um, I think speaking of of bad vibes, let's keep that running as we go to the next uh, next team, St Johnston. 
The question is, what would it take for Callum Davidson to be sacked? Andy, what's your thoughts on that? That's a big question, isn't it? Because they, cause they generally know, don't do sackings, do they? No, no. And I mean, you would have... Really, you think that the, the point that any other club would have sacked him would have happened by now. Um, I think I said in a, a previous Patreon podcast that I, in some senses I could understand why they've held off sacking him at, at previous stages and the fact that they, they stayed up last season. You've gone this far, do you see how it goes over the summer? But the, the Premier Sports Cup was, was dismal. Um, and... For me, I was looking at the fixture list and, and who they've got, and I think there's a um, yeah, there, you've maybe got I think five or six games where you're if they don't get a few results, if they don't get maybe two or three wins out of that, then you're beginning to I think you've got to pull the trigger because the the situation that you don't want is you don't want to get uh, separated at the bottom because there's there's not a lot of good teams in the league as we've we've talked about from last season but it is possible to to get detached I don't think I think St Johnson are our candidates for being detached there might be you know like we've talked about St Mirren or someone else but but either if you look at their first six games they've got Hibs at home then it's away to Motherwell and then away to Rangers home to Aberdeen away to Hearts and home to St Mirren which isn't a which isn't a especially easy fixture list to start with um, you'd maybe have hoped for Motherwell at home and uh, at least you've got St Mirren at home. I think if they've got to the point of the 3rd of September and they have they lose to St Mirren at home and they haven't taken very much from the, the previous games, that's probably the point that they'll sack him. I think they'll give him a, a chunk of matches, unless unless they get absolutely embarrassed in the next few. I think they'll give him a chunk of matches because they've lasted this long with him. But yeah, I think that he, he is he's totally on borrowed time at this stage because there doesn't look any... They, they don't look like they're going to get out of this rut anytime soon, basically. Rob, uh, yeah. will, 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 will this season end up with Hearts actually get, getting a win at McDermott Park, given how how awful uh, St Johnson uh, are shaping up to be? Oh, there's absolutely no chance. No, St Johnson will finish the season with six points, both of those wins at McDermott Park against Hearts. But I think, uh, you know, I just find it bizarre that the entire way that St Johnson have gone about their business since the tail end of last season, you know, they're basically their one elderly signing away from getting Zimmer frames as their new sleeve sponsor. It's just the, the age and the, the experience, I suppose, if you want to call it that, the players that Davidson's bringing in, you can see why he's doing it. You know, guys that know the league, you've got your Ryan McGowan's, your Jamie Murphy's, your Andy Considine's. But at the same time, you know, you need a fresh injection of, of life into that St. Johnson team that was just flaccid for so much of last season. And I think that, you know, Andy's talking about the fixture list. And I think that, you know, in a league this size of the Scottish Premiership, fixture lists shouldn't, I don't think they count too much towards anything really because you're going to be playing the same 11 teams, you know, three, four times a season. But I think you've got to be looking from St. Johnston's point of view with the Premier Sports Cup ending up the way it did. You're looking at that first international break and you're saying, right, where are St. Johnston when it comes to that? So that's going to be what mid-September or so. And I think that when you look at where St. Johnston are then, that's when the St. Johnston board, I think, have decisions to make. Do you say, right, okay, plough forward, we see what we can do in the winter window, or do you say we give someone some time before the winter window to then get an idea of what we need to actually keep this uh, keep this side in the, the Premiership next season? It's it's not a good situation to be in. He obviously has endless amounts of credit in the bank for that unprecedented cup double, but that runs out, and I think that has run out now, to be honest. It's it's all about the business for, for St. Johnson now, and they need, to, they need to win games. They need to start well enough that they're not anchored to the bottom of the table when it comes to that first international break, because I think that'll be a really telling moment uh, in their season. Well, after uh, you and and uh, after various members of A View from the Terrace tipped St Johnston uh, on the BBC's website today to uh, to be go- almost unanimously, I think, to go down, I think it's clear that they'll probably end up sixth or whatever. But um, we're going to move now to North to, North to Dingwall. Um, quite a simple one, this. Rob, can, can you explain... Um, why Ross Laidlaw is still still number one goalkeeping choice for for Ross County this season? Um, I'm I'm beginning to feel like it is literally impossible to lure goalkeepers any further north than like Aberdeen or something, and that's why they've still got Ross Laidlaw between the sticks going into a new season. Listen, 
he's done he's done okay for them in the past. I think he's he's not a safe set of hands, but he's certainly a known set of hands. <laughs> if that means anything. High praise. <laughs> he if has hands. Anything. Yes, he has hands. <laughs> I, can, I can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> he does have hands. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a weird one, man. They brought in Jake Eastwood from Sheffield United. Um, whether he is going to be the one uh, to, to make any sort of difference to or make any sort of challenge to Ross Laidlaw, I mean, as it stands, it doesn't seem to be that that will be the case. It's just, it's, it's a weird one, man. But I think that once you've got that experience, um, you know, sort of between the between the sticks and obviously having that guy that, that knows the defence and knows the team as well as he does, you know, that can make a difference. But it's just bizarre that, you know, he's he's one of the weaker, if not the weakest goalkeeper in the top flight. And I think that looking at Ross County and, and how well they did uh, towards the end of last season, you'd think that strengthening where they need to strengthen um, was going to be key for them to really make a run at the top six and, and try and get European football. Because the way they finished the season, that's how they should be thinking. Um, and yeah, it just it feels like a misstep for now. But at the same time, there's still a month left of the window. You never know what will happen. But yeah, I think for uh, for outsiders and certainly for for us tennis podcast boys who, who like to see uh, Ross Lee as a whipping boy, um, it's definitely a weird one going into a new campaign. Andy, yeah, when you, you when you watched uh, Ross Laidlaw between the sticks at, uh, at Starts Park, did you envisage several years later that he would be an established Premiership <laughs> goalkeeper? I was just going to say that 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 couldn't have been further from my thinking there that he would be a, a multiple season Premiership starter he, because he, he he was always dropping he, he drops on clangers then he didn't look confident and I don't really get the feeling that he's uh, he's ever massively improved he's not a bad shot stopper but he he does make mistakes and I think looking at Jay Eastwood who they've brought in I mean he he was at three different clubs last season and he he, he played like one or two games between the three of them he, he dropped down the leagues he went from Sheffield United to Portsmouth in you know, League 1 and then Rochdale in League 2 and didn't play for any of them which doesn't bode well um, and I, he's not really played much over the over the last few seasons at all so he feels like he's been he's been brought in as a backup, but who knows? He'll he'll, he'll maybe replace Laidlaw when uh, Malcolm McGuire finally gets fed up with him. But I mean, fair play. I mean, he must be he must either be like a great guy in the dressing room or just a, like a really top pro uh, to, to still be there. And like uh, Rob said, there's probably an element of it where they can't actually bring in any decent goalkeepers up to the Highlands either. Um, they, they do have they do have a, a pretty settled backline in front of them which is maybe part of the thinking to it as well where they've got three, certainly probably three of the four back four uh, retained and that maybe between having them and Laidlaw you don't, want, you don't want to chuck out all that work and all that that way that each other knows how to play potentially but aye, I'm kind of grasping at straws a wee bit to be honest Duncan No I think that, that makes sense we now move to uh, last year's runners up in the league uh, Rangers of course if you didn't know that um is anything less than the title a failure for Giovanni van Bronckhurst? That, that, that's me saying that, uh, thinking that it's unlikely that they'll reach a European final again. But uh, Andy, do you want to kick us off on that one? Yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's interesting this year because uh, I think last year when we went into it, the expectation was that Rangers would win the league and that Celtic were going to be in some sort of potential multi-year transition phase where they got a new manager in who nobody knew anything about and might be bad. And, and even if he was good, he had to unpick all of this mess from from Neil Lennon. And actually, he obviously came in and uh, was excellent, basically straight off the bat. So it's kind of felt like we're at, we're at a point where Rangers have kind of been gradually, slowly building and, and developing their team and and, uh, and improving it where they can. And obviously spent a bit of money this summer as well um, to, to further develop it. They've managed to keep a few key players uh, at the club, like the Goldson and Tavernier. So on, on paper, you'd think... You know, we're we're maybe at this point we're maybe into kind of multiple consecutive title wins for Rangers, and uh, if you know Postecoglou hadn't come in and had such a big impact, because Rangers squad on paper looks like it, they they could win the league, and I think I guess to answer the the question, yes, it'll be a disappointment that they don't win the league because it's always really a disappointment for or a failure for Rangers and Celtic if they don't win the league. But this year is slightly different to say last year, where last year was a. a 
a disappointment because they were they were the big favourites this year. I think Celtic are the the slight favourites for it, um, which makes a difference. I don't, I don't know if I'm obviously not a Rangers fan, so I probably think about it slightly differently. I don't know if that slightly tempers the expectations for it, and that if they can maybe win a cup here and there, or they can have a good European run while also putting in a good challenge. Whether that uh, that's enough. Probably not, but I think uh, I, I imagine maybe expectations are slightly down on uh, last season. The question for me is maybe more whether or not it looks like Van Bronckhorst is a long-term plan as manager, and if they see signs of that. I don't think there was a lot of signs in the league last year of that. Obviously, there was some in Europe, but um, I, I, for me, that's the kind of key thing. If if it looks like he's improving as a manager, and it looks like Rangers have got better domestically, then. Maybe for next season again, you're thinking, well, there's, there's, we've got somebody in place and we've still got a, a structure. Otherwise, you, the, the the potential is that you're you're chucking it all away again at the end of this this summer. But yeah, I, I, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a, a certainly more interesting on paper, I think, this year than than it looked at this time last season. I think as uh, Fowler pointed out with uh, when he spoke to Adam for, uh, for um, in the. Patreon preview pods, which I would thoroughly recommend you subscribing to if you want to to get some good insights on every Premiership club this season, is that this is the first time in many a season where both teams are going into the season on an even keel. That there's been a, an element of uh, stability to, to both clubs and that whilst... I, so I, I suspect that actually I think it will be more about um, performance levels as well. That if, that if they keep the league tight uh and it comes down to the old farm games and you know the, the and the cup t- uh, competitions where they meet each other if there is uh if that's pretty even as well but you know if you lose the league by a point or two then i don't think it'll be go down as a complete failure if you've also won a cup and beat celtic a couple of times but uh rob you're you're a glasgow resident what what are you picking up on the mean the mean streets of uh scotland second city uh, it would 100% be a failure if Rangers didn't win the league, uh, much like Andy said, because any time they don't win the league, it is considered a failure, especially in the last couple of years. Um, they were saved a bit last season by the fact they got to a European final. I don't think they'll do that again. Uh, I mean, you never know, never say never, but I doubt they'll have that to, to fall back on. Uh, and obviously, you know, that that helped with the, the sort of uh, intercity relations between Rangers and Celtic. Rangers shiting them, uh, sorry, Celtic, shiting themselves that Rangers might win a European title uh, and Rangers really sort of making sure that Celtic weren't able to celebrate their title win uh, until right at the end of the season. So I think that, of course, it would be seen as a failure. I think what's interesting with Rangers is the the signings that they've made. They're, they're obviously, they're, they're spending money. Um but the guys they're signing are either in their peak years or young guys who obviously have a, a high ceiling. So you've got like Ridvan Yilmaz, uh, Rabi Matondo, guys like this who are, are young players, but they're spending money. They're putting the outlay there. Marek Tillman as well, Malik Tillman, sorry, um, coming in. And I think that it'll be interesting to see what Rangers do next season in terms of bleeding these younger guys in or whether they're going to go straight into the first team, whether they're going to be relied upon more in European football that they've come from, obviously more used to that. Uh, and how they're going to look domestically. Obviously, they've signed John Suter, a uh, well-known face in the league. They brought in Ben Davis. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the what the thought process is because it looks to me like they have they've made up a signing policy that essentially gives them strength both in Europe and in the league this time. And I think that's maybe where they struggled a bit last season uh, in terms of getting players fired in on, on all fronts. So, yeah, it would be a failure, but I, I would say that Celtic are favourites because they've just won it. Um, but I think the signings that Rangers have made and the way that they are building up to this season, I, I would be quite happy and quite, you know, sort of encouraged if I was a, a Rangers fan. All right, we go to, to Lanarkshire ne- next, Motherwell. Um, when he eventually leaves, which could be very soon given that we're recording this before uh, their match against the second leg against Sligo Rovers, but will. Uh, Will, if Graham Alexander leaves, will his reign be considered genre-defining? Uh, Rob, what do, what do you think about that? It will certainly be unsurpassed, is what I would say. Um, listen, uh, what's the genre? <laughs> uh, that's that's the first thing to understand when it comes to talking about Graham Alexander's mother will. Um, obviously, the hope is always for murder, murder ball, murder well, all this shite that comes out from Motherwell fans all the time. Oh, we're big and we'll kick you and that makes us fun. 
it's not fun. It's not fun to watch. And, you know, the fact you got into European football this season at all um, sort of makes me feel slightly queasy, uh, given the fact that you did not win a single game, basically, between, like, Christmas uh, and the end of the season. So, yeah, listen, I, I, I think that fair play to Motherwell for getting to where they did uh, last season. But I, I wouldn't describe Graham Alexander's uh, reign as manager genre-defining. Um, I, I feel like he's got a... Yeah, he's got a, a task on his hands finding a genre to even place Motherwell in uh, under his tutelage. But I would say that, obviously, we would miss him getting yellow and red carded every single week um, if he was to depart. If that's a genre in itself, then then fair play to him. Yeah, an intense aura could potentially be a genre. But, uh, Andy, do you, do you see anything other than... Um, Graham Alexander being ejected from the Fir Park uh, manager's uh, seat by, uh, this season? No, the vibe is very much... Uh, I'm, I'm about three games away from getting the boot uh, at all times, I think, with Graham Alexander. Uh, and it certainly seems like that uh, from um, Motherwell fans as well. So, no, it, it, it's not impossible that uh, they could resonate things, obviously, given the small margins that you're operating in in Scottish football. But... No, it doesn't look like it. I I, I can see him. I, it's certainly a think between him and Robinson for uh, for first sack, incredibly, given that we've also got Callum Davidson in the league. But yeah, there you go. It's um, it's it's Motherwell's lack of signings that and the kind of the profile of them. Although uh, Josh Morris from Salford City seems like a world class wind up merchant, so I'm very happy about his about his signing. But um, yeah, Paul McGinn and Blair Spittle don't really fit into what was previously kind of the the Motherwell mould of uh, here's a shop window for yourself sort of things, which had re- worked relatively well. So, I, yeah, I just um, it just seems that things aren't all working and uh, everyone's pulling right in the same direction there, but we'll we'll see how that goes down. Uh, next up, Livingston FC. So, Andy, which Livingston player will have a standout season in a makeshift position? Because that's because uh, that's a David Martindale special. Oh, good, yeah. So, I, well, I, I, I don't know. That is the, is the, <laughs> is the short answer to this. Um, I'm I'm going to slightly pivot from that and um, talk about the midfield though, because I think that's that's one of the more interesting areas uh, at Livingston this season, in that you've got you basically have a lot of options in there, and uh, how they how they choose to kind of play them in a. A sort of four three three four five one type formation. Um, I mean, I think if you look at in theory, you've maybe got Omionga and Holt as the as the holding midfielders, uh, and then you've got uh, either Nubleg and Calves, uh, Bambula. One, two of those three potentially off Anderson out wide um, would be the would maybe be an actual way to, to look at that. Uh, sort of midfield and uh, wide section but you've got people like Sean Kelly who's done pretty well so far uh, in the cup competitions you've got Pittman you've got Josh Mullen Andrew Shinney uh, Obelai who's playing centre half just now but can obviously play hold midfield uh, and Montana who's uh, can kind of play full back or, or also play through the middle so you've potentially got a lot of different players who can play a number of positions across that midfield so for me it's going to be interesting to see what combination works best uh, and how quickly they can get into gel you do obviously have a, a series of players there who uh, played last season and people like Nubly who you would like to hope will kind of kick on a wee bit this year uh, after this uh, was really good at our growth and then I, th- I think it was still decent the second half for Livingston but, but didn't maybe um, pull up trees in quite the same same way last season Um and you've got a lot of kind of experienced guys in there as well, so it'll be interesting to see how they how they incorporate them. And for me, so that so that's it in terms of how they're going to do it. Uh, who's going to have a standout season? Absolutely no idea. But more interestingly for me, how do you fit this whole group of guys who could all potentially play in in two or three positions into the into the team effectively? Rob, you're you're a Hearts fan, so you presumably are uh, very anxious about the fact that David Martindale might turn. Jimmy Brandon into a world beater. Is that is that fair? Genuinely, genuinely. When I was looking through this, I was like, who in that Livingston squad is searching for a bit of identity? Who's searching for, for a place in that team? Step forward, James Jamie Brandon. Uh, he's not going to get in ahead of Nicky Devlin, uh, club captain. Obviously, he's a right back. I can see Jamie Brandon turning into like a central midfielder or something. And just, you know, becoming like decent enough, like hard tackling sort of guy, 
Uh, I don't think he'll ever be a wide player. But yeah, I mean, Jamie Brandon was, was definitely the one that, that stuck out to me the most. But you never know, like David Martindale could turn around and say that Isma Gonsalves is a holding midfielder and just start playing him there or something. And, and, you know, that could easily be how that works out. Andy's already mentioned Ayo Obelai uh, and his various different positions. He might end up as a central striker uh, because he can get his head on the ball and he, he's, he's not a bad finisher. Yeah, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting. David Martindale, obviously, he, uh, he, he doesn't see footballers as positions on a football park. He sees them as people first. And then he makes his mind up on where on earth they're going to play. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I'm actually really, I said this in a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago, I'm really interested to see how Livingston go about things. Because I think in forward positions, again, I'm not going to just say what Andy said, but I think in forward positions, it is quite exciting seeing how Bambula gets along. Isma's come in. Bruce Anderson was a star. He was a, a, a standout for them last season. Uh, and obviously with the supported runs of the likes of Jason Holt, Christian Montano, coming from uh, from midfield. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what Martindale decides is going to be his best 11 week by week. But I think that Jamie Brandon is going to be a, a jack of all trades and, and let's see if he ever masters any of them. I think that's I think that's fair enough. Uh, he's going to have to do so playing in, in what I think is the most guff kit of, uh, of them all this season. Uh, that collar is, uh, is is a crime against uh, fashion. And that, that's, that's saying something in Scottish football, isn't it? It's... It's easy. It's easily the worst top. I think. I mean, Joe Joe had it in some sort of nominal top ten list he was going to do in the week, but uh, but he, he couldn't have been more wrong about it. It is, <laughs> it is an atrocious collar. Like the rest of the strip, kind of looks a bit cheap anyway. But you could you'd get away with it if it wasn't for that, because it, it doesn't even work as a collar. It's that kind of weird way that they've got it where the the kind of V neck the collar stops halfway down the V neck. It doesn't. It, it's just it's horrid. It's horrid. Looks like something you might pick up at MacArthur Glen, ironically. I think that's maybe, that's maybe it, the, the stock that's gone, gone awry. Um, no, back to the, the Premiership. New boys returning Kilmarnock. Um, will this be the season that Ollie Shaw proves himself to be a top-flight striker? Uh, Rob, do you, have, do you have strong opinions on where the one once-tipped uh, best player in Europe? All I'm going to say is, is Leanne Dempster was right. Okay, Leanne Dempster was right. Oliver Shaw uh, is is a a generational talent uh, that, that's coming up from a a positive. Now, nah, listen, Ollie Shaw, I think, has always had, um, and Duncan, you'll you'll know this better than anyone. He's always had attributes whereby you can point at him and say there is a striker in there somewhere. You know, he's he's not the he's not short, but he's also not slow. Uh, his positioning's all right. He works really hard, uh, and I think that. When you look at the likes of you know, Bruce Anderson, we, we just discussed him, I, I think you're looking at Ollie Shaw almost in a similar mould because he can play as a, a, you know, as a support man for a, a main striker or just be the main man himself. And I think, obviously, with Kyle Lafferty um, still at the club, uh, I would actually push and I would suggest that Ollie Shaw might score more goals this season um, than Lafferty. I think, I think he will end up as their top scorer. And I think that... What he needed um, wasn't a stint at Ross County coming off the bench every now and then. He needed to be playing every single week. And I think that going, you know, inadvertently into the championship with Kilmarnock um, has certainly helped him a lot. And I think that you look at the fact that he's banged in four goals in the Premier Sports Cup. Uh, and I think that a manager like Derek McInnes is going to be able to get the most out of... Um, when you look at the, the top strikers in the league, in comparison, a limited striker then I would back Derek McInnes to get the best out of him. And I think that even looking at McInnes' track record with strikers throughout his time in Scotland, he's, he's always been able to get guys scoring goals. Uh, and I think that Ollie Shaw could very easily be the, the next in, in that sort of um, in that, in that sort of uh, genre <laughs> uh, of, of striker that, that Derek McInnes likes working with. But no, listen, I, I've got a lot of time for Ollie Shaw. Uh, I've enjoyed sort of catching up with what he's been doing, uh, if it be on sports scene or if it's on my scout or whatever. Um, but I think he's a he's a good striker, and I think that you know in a good season he'll get you ten to fifteen goals. And I think that with Kilmarnock going to be an upwardly mobile Championship winning side uh, this season, then I, I think that he could be a big part of it. My my, my theory is that um, Shaw's success will depend on on whether uh, McInnes manages to get a tune out of Jordan Jones, um, and the idea that I think that the wingers have always been. Valued highly by Derek McInnes. I mean, look at Hayes and McGinn, uh, Aberdeen, and, and and such like. So that's kind of my theory: is if, if Jordan Jones 
uh, excels, then I think you, I think Ollie Shaw will excel. But uh, Andy, what you you saw you saw a bit elements of Ollie Shaw last season championship. Uh, do you think he's ready for the step up? Yeah, I, I agree with most of what or all of really what Rob said. I think for for me, I went back and I looked at his goals and. A lot, a lot of the goals that he scores are is him kind of peeling off a defender, or you know somebody kind of attacking through the middle and and I'm peeling off, or, or somebody coming down wide and him making a wee bit of space for himself away from the defender. So so he's got that kind of intelligence, and what I think more than any position apart from maybe goalkeeper is you need confidence as a striker, and I think having that spell in the championship where he basically scored one one in every two. Uh, and he scored four goals already in the the league cup this season, so he's coming into it full of confidence. He does have Lafferty to take the attention away to some degree that Kelly, you know, assuming Lafferty is going to stay fit, Kelly don't require Shaw to be hitting goals all the time. Um, and it might take a wee bit of time for the, for him to kind of get up to speed in the uh, the Premiership. But yeah, I, I think I think he's a smart enough footballer. And I think he's developed enough over the last the last year, year and a half that uh, he should be a success. And yeah, could probably have a kind of Bruce Anderson-esque season this year, I think. There we go, Bruce Anderson-esque. That's what more can you ask for? <laughs> uh, we re- we go head to the capital where we talk to uh, we we'll talk about everyone's favourite uh, clown college uh, at the moment, and that's Hibernian, uh, my my team. And the question that the, that we got is: Is a point in a derby the best Hibs can hope for this season? Now, I'm, before Rob gets in there, and and as a uh, the. Form has got nothing. Form has got absolutely nothing to do with the Edinburgh derbies. They are they are the worst games uh, that you know, that football can throw up, um, and there was nothing in my mind to suggest that um, that Hibs can't win a, a couple of them this season. But at the same time, history will prove me uh, prove the case that Hibs very rarely win Edinburgh derbies anyway, uh, even when they were good. So uh, I don't. I get a lot of Hibs fan base do base. Uh, the perception of the season on on how we do in derbies, I think that's a that's pretty much a fool's errand. Um, and if you want to know more about my depressing thoughts about Hibernian, obviously there's the the Patreon preview that I did with Gary, and uh, Gary just uh, just wound me up basically, and and I went off on a rant for about twenty minutes. Uh, but Rob, how how are you feeling about your your city rivals this season? <laughs> 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 uh, it's great, isn't it? Um, yeah, listen, it's it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, today we were met by the news that Aidan McGeady is out for twelve weeks as well. I don't think um, that's bad news. So, no, I, that's that's true, but it, it remains it remains funny. Um, yeah, listen, Hibs, Hibs have had a disastrous. I mean, apart from that, uh, mind that preseason friendly against Hartlepool. Where the hips look quite good, um, so you've always got that to cling on to. But I no, think no, we, 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 one. we we were we were class in forty-five minutes against Clyde. You forgot about that. Oh shit! So you were, yeah. When Dodge scored a hat trick, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it's it's not looking good for Hibs um, at all right now. I, I think even looking at the the signings that have been made, there's a lot of question marks hanging over them, and you're thinking, well. You're adding that to a team that didn't do well last season, and now you're expecting guys like Jair Tavares, for example, coming in from you know uh, second flight Portuguese football, and you're saying we need you to start this season and be great, <laughs> and that's that's a, a huge issue. Eli um, uh, Yuan is another one that obviously because of red tape, he's not been able to really properly bleed himself into the team, get competitive minutes, whereby he's going to make a difference. Uh, Aidan McGeady obviously missed two penalties, hooked at half time in a loss against Falkirk, and now he's broken his metatarsal in a friendly game. That is objectively very, very funny. So you've got to look at how Lee Johnson is going to sort of grab this squad by the scruff of the neck and say, we need to start this season well. We've got an Edinburgh Derby in the second game of the season at Easter Road. You know, we, we, in fact, no, is it Tynecastle? I can't even no, remember. No, it's, it's Easter, Easter Road. Road. It's Easster Road Easter because Road, so. our esteemed owner has been complaining about it. Um, yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. So uh, yeah, it's uh, there's the, when you're a new manager coming into a, a, a club the size of Hibs, the last thing you want is a, a you know a joke of a preseason and, and sort of early competitive games. And unfortunately, that's what Lee Johnson has been handed. I I, I like what, and you're going to disagree with me on this because of what happened after the Premier Sports Cup. Up until then, I liked kind of what I was hearing from Lee Johnson. 
he seems to have his head screwed on and he, he seems to have an idea of what it takes to make Hibs a successful club. But as soon as adversity was thrown in his face, he's kind of collapsed a little bit. He's crumbled. He's a wet biscuit. So you're looking at various different ways where he can try and wrestle that back. But I mean, you could not have asked for a better opening day fixture than St. Johnston. But to answer your question, the best Hibs can hope for this season is only losing by one goal in an Edinburgh derby as things stand. Uh, thanks, thanks for that, Rob. I'll maybe clip that if, if things change. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. You're right about uh, Johnson. What that didn't annoy me <laughs> even uh, you even after the loss against Falkirk, he came out and his analysis of what was going what had gone wrong in the performance and calling the players out for it in a in a even-handed manner, not in a dismissive manner that. Um, Maybe it was more kin to to Mr. Lennon, uh, but in his time, so I was like, "Well, that that's actually quite refreshing and stuff." And then uh, since then, it's uh, been excuse making, and, and I'm not sure how having no fourth official was the reason why we we didn't get the the job done against Greenock Morton. But there we go, uh, Andy. Uh, what's your what's your thoughts on Hibs yeah. this season on, as a, no as a neutral? Yeah, no more, no more to add really, other than the the, the derbies will be two no no draws and two very low scoring hearts wins. That's that's what you're getting. Yeah, fair enough. Least, that, Andy, yeah. Andy, 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 you're assuming there's going to be four in derbies this season. Oh, that, that yes, yeah, you're right. It might just be three. No, yeah. you're right. Probably will just be three. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, before we go back to Rob on on hearts, uh, Andy, what's your what's your opinion on is for this season where it seems that almost uh, it's. Uh, I, th- I think a lot of a lot of Scottish football fans are just assuming that Hearts are third this season. But is third more important than a cup for for Hearts? But primarily for for Robbie Nielsen. Yeah, it's difficult. This isn't it? Because I would always uh, there was a bit of chat about this in the um, in our WhatsApp group last night. For, for me, as a as a fan. Uh, the, like it's always a cup above anything else. Like you don't forget, like when we won the Challenge Cup, I don't remember really what league position it was. Kind of middle of the table, but it didn't really matter. Um, you just don't want to be relegated or anything. You kind of like that. But for 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 Nielsen and Hearts, it's slightly different. I, I think for Nielsen, the cup is probably more important. I think is he's, he's lost two Scottish Cup finals, and I think. I think when you're looking at legacy, and I don't know if Nielsen cares about it or not, but I think if he does care about legacy, you'll remember the Cups in 20 years' time, and you you will remember the, the finishing third in the league and everything else. But I, I think that, you know, so I guess if a, a, a recent example is Derek McInnes. I think for me, Aberdeen fans will remember the, the Cup win, uh, the League Cup win over the second place finishes, which were good, but because it's a league season, they've got ups and downs, and ultimately you finish second and you get in Europe. But there's not the same sense of celebration that there is with that and euphoria that there is with a Cup win. So for, for me, for Nielsen, I think for his legacy at Hearts and, and to be remembered, even more fondly, I think it's a cup win, especially given how difficult now that Rangers and Celtic are uh, back that it is to win it. I think that would be the thing for him. For Hearts, it's slightly more complicated, I think, because there's the financial perspective of finishing third, because there's the kind of cachet of finishing third to, to attract uh, better players. Um and obviously getting back into Europe and I think you know finishing third gives them a better chance of um, staying in Europe past Christmas which happens so rarely for for teams outside of Rangers and Celtic and actually really just Rangers these days Um, but obviously they haven't won a a cup in uh, basically over a decade now so I don't know it's it's a bit more complicated for Hearts I think Um, I, I, and it's I mean, Rob will probably give me a better idea, but I, I think there is a chance that it's it's two slightly different perspectives this season in terms of who would be happiest with with what. Um, and again, like you say, you're, you're kind of also assuming that, that Hearts are going to get third. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a wee bit. Uh, I, I think it depends on the perspective. I think for for Hearts this season. Yeah, I was gonna, I was going to say uh, trying to be as neutral as possible. I suppose that the third place, whilst it does get you money and the, the the possibility of of Europe it doesn't you know, if it goes on your uh, if it goes on your honors uh, on your website or whatever then you're you're a bit of a loser club to be honest if, if you're putting stuff like that up uh, but I can but on the on the flip side to that is that uh, the ability to go two seasons in a row with um six uh you know six at least six games in Europe 
uh, you know, b- big trips for fans. Uh, fingers, hopefully, uh, uh, for, for fans, and all that is is potential to be game changing in a way that the kind of money European money has for Celtic and Rangers, in the sense of being able to widen that gulf further between the rest of the clubs, and it has ha- has been repeated in lots and lots of smaller leagues. Is that if, if Hearts can essentially become the third force by just by dint of hoovering up this money, uh, then that that's that's a huge sort of game changing thing. But again, you, you the the history of Hearts and getting financial injections of money doesn't necessarily uh, guarantee success. Uh, it's twice in living memory that where they've, they've wasted money on, on people like Goran Petric uh, uh, and the like. So that 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 is kind of my kind of conflicted on it um, because there's no, there's no guarantee of success. Whereas people always do remember the cup wins. But let's let's go to a man who will probably be able to give us much better insight on that, and that is that's Rob. Uh, you don't get an open top bus parade for third place, man. Uh, I I take a cup every single day of the week above finishing third. Um, I think that the way that the Scottish Premiership is now, fifth gets you European football. If you want to play in Europe, finish fifth. That's fine. All you need to do is win a cup. And listen, for Robbie Nielsen, I think that is exactly the same. He's not Joe Savage. He's not Ann Budge or whoever is going to be in charge of the club who's looking at finances. For his own legacy, you do not become a legendary manager unless you win a trophy. You don't become a great manager unless you win a trophy. It just doesn't happen. Craig Levine got hearts to two consecutive third-place finishes in the early noughties. Who cares? He didn't win a trophy. It doesn't matter. What what, matters, whoa, 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 whoa. Can, can we go back to this? Are you, say, are you saying that Craig Levine has never won a trophy? Wow. Ah, he's been gone He's been gone for ages, mate. You don't need to pedal that one out again. We all know it. Um, but Robbie Nielsen, uh, for, for him and for Hearts, for the fans, for the club, for everyone involved, what is more important is winning a trophy or trophies, plural. That's what makes you a great manager. That's what that's what people care about. And And, you know, as much as a third place finish gives you the money, the financial backing, the oomph to go and do a little bit more further down the line, it's not as cool or as fun as winning a trophy. And and like Andy said, when when the Rovers won the Challenge Cup, uh, even when they won the, 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 the sort of League Cup, you know, who cares about where they finished? What you remember is the Cup win. And it's the same as when Hearts won the Cup in 2012, we finished fifth. I couldn't care less. Paolo Sergio was a, was a pretty average manager in terms of Scottish uh, Premiership standards, but he won a, he won a trophy. So he's now seen as a Hearts legend. That's what Robbie Nielsen wants. That's what any manager would want. And I think that that's what Hearts will be hopefully looking to do this season, especially you know, not win the, not, not win the League Cup since the 1960s. I'd like that to change. And I think that Hearts are currently in a better position than they have been in a long time to try and change that this season. So why not? I think that should be the first aim. Um, but yeah, for, it's more important for Nielsen. It's more important for the fans. It's not more important for the club. And I think that's where the slight sort of uh, change comes in. Yeah, bit of tension, but which, but is all is all good. Uh, Dundee United now uh, without Sons, the only the only team from Scotland's fourth city uh, this season in the Premiership. Uh, have they signed well, given the, the transformation that's happened over the summer, or have they signed a bunch of uh, injury prone? Uh, superstars, Rob. What, what what's your? Is it is it as binary as that? I really enjoyed how uh, Jack Ross, when he was unveiled, actually had a ruptured Achilles tendon. <laughs> so that, that tells you everything you need to know about uh, about signing Crocs. No, listen. I think um, I think Dundee United are the the dark horses for third this season. Well, we were talking there as if uh, Hearts finishing third's a certainty. I don't think it is. Um, I think that Hearts are going to be playing. Thursday, Sunday, um, throughout the likes of September and October and into November. Um, Dundee United, I'm not sure they will get that far in Europe. You never know. Uh, it looks like they're going to be playing AZ Alkmaar uh, in, the, in the playoff game. So, listen, I think Dundee United have signed well. I think Stephen Fletcher, um, yeah, he's, he's got an injury track record, but also he is exactly what Tony Watt needs to flourish. We saw what Tony Watt was capable of at Motherwell, and I think that Stephen Fletcher will be the absolutely you know perfect foil for him to, to, to go and sort of make a difference there as well. Dylan Levitt coming in is just a phenomenal signing. Um, it, it baffles me that no one else was looking to try and sign him because he was just so influential in the middle of the park for Dundee United last season. Um, Aziz Behik has, has come in, uh, the Australian international. I don't know about his injury track record, if I'm being totally honest. But again, he comes with a bit of calibre and a bit of pedigree. Uh, and Mark Birigiti in goals as well, um, another Australian uh, another international so I, I think they've signed well I think that 
what Jack Ross showed uh, at his time um, during his time at Hibs is that yeah, you know, it's not going to be sexy, expansive football the whole time, but he's going to get the job done. He's going to get you into positive positions in the league table, um, and he's going to do it in in a way of you know he's cast in the same mould I think as Robbie Nielsen and Derek McInnes, and that he knows how to get teams playing to a standard that will get them to a position that he wants them to be in. Um, so I think you know I'd, the way I'm looking at it, United have signed well. Uh, they've not signed loads, but they've signed well uh, in what they've done, and I think that they will get busier as the window goes on. I think with you know, Tony Ashgar and all that, they're going to be looking for the best deals for the club. Uh, and that usually means waiting until uh, towards the end of a, a transfer window as well. So, yeah, I, I think Dundee United are going to be good this season. Um, and I think that they should be looking upwards from where they finished last season, uh, which is which is saying something because only Hearts finished above them as well as Rangers and Celtic. Yeah. I, think, I think the question is slight, slightly harsh because I had a look at the, um, the players they'd signed. Sybil, so Sybil missed, obviously, a fair bit of last season, um, but he's only 27 and played a lot of the season before. Uh, Levitt had a few knocks as well, but he still started 18 league games and he's only 21. So he, he's not really had a lot of um, kind of adult football experience. So it's kind of understandable in a sense that he would uh, be suffering a few knocks uh, in a long season. And the other guys who signed, obviously, Stephen Fletcher, I thought, oh, maybe he's missed a whole bunch of games for Stoke, but I think he started most games for them and managed to score kind of nine goals. And then Behic, who obviously didn't know at all, played 34 games in the Turkish League. So uh, for me, it seems a wee bit harsh to to suggest that they might be a a team full of crocs. I think they've, like Rob says, I mean, I feel that we're agreeing a lot on this podcast, but um, they they seem to have signed on on paper smartly um, and just kind of been sensible about uh, who they've brought in rather than just splashing a lot of cash and all sorts of different people like uh, Hibs. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think it's okay. I think I think the guys who signed are smart, and you never know with injuries who who can tell. But I, I don't think I don't think you you get somebody like Sybil and think, oh, this guy's guaranteed to be injured all season. I, I think he's had a, a injuries him and Levitt, but nothing that suggests that he's um, guaranteed to kind of be out for the for the rest of the next season. So uh, speaking of clubs that want to outdo what they did last season, um, do we think that Celtic will be even better in Ange Postacoglu's second season in charge? Uh, we, you know, we have longer uh, David Turnbull will be uh, back, and the, the January signings will be uh, have had a rest, which is you know which is part of the issue that why we didn't necessarily see them uh, fully embedded last last season. Andy, how how, are you, how do you feel about Celtic's chances this season? Um, do we do we expect them to do better in Europe? I suppose is that a bare, at least a bare minimum? Yeah, oh yeah, certainly. I think when it comes to Europe, they uh, they need to do better. And it'll be interesting to see what they do in Europe. I think um, when Ro- when Rogers was in, and obviously that was kind of the the recent high point of Celtic domestically. Uh, up until Postacoglu came in, uh, he was pretty poor at adapting his approach for for Europe in terms of that he, he still kept Celtic quite open and and were often quite easy to score against. And I, I, the, the, I think Postacoglu had a couple of games in the last season, or he did have obviously a few games last season in terms of Europe. Um, I just mean after he after he brought a few of his uh, kind of January signings in, and it, for me. He felt like he was um, too open as well. Like he kind of the principles that he had for the Premiership were still the same ones he was using in Europe. And it'll be interesting to see this season if he adapts slightly to uh, more of an approach that Rangers took and kind of be a bit more solid at the back and be a bit more focused on counter attacking. So, so that'll be interesting. And uh, you would like to think they'd be better this season. They should be better in Europe this season, but. Uh, it's not it's not always worked out for Celtic when it comes to that comes to Europe. So we'll see. Certainly in the league, they should be. I think having had this summer to uh, to have a break and also to to get used to exactly what Postecoglou wants to do should have helped. There's not been a lot of turnover, and I think that's important as well. They've they've a few guys that have left that really should have left, and they've only really brought in a couple of people to like Aaron Moy to to. It seems like bolster the squad, given that they they'll be they'll be playing a couple of games a week. Um, so yeah, it, it, I would I would expect Celtic to be better this season. The fact that uh, Rangers should be on their tail all season as well should mean that they 
they both kind of try to outmatch each other all, all year and that um, you wouldn't imagine there'd be too much of a drop-off. I I wonder if the, the issue might be keeping consistency over the whole season uh, and also keeping fit. I think that's, uh, that's maybe going to be the challenge. The other thing might be the World Cup, and I have to say I'm not sure in terms of who's all going to the World Cup from from Celtic. But if if there's a few guys going, there's maybe a potential that uh, come uh, February March time that there's maybe injuries and and people flagging who otherwise would have been all right. So that would be the other thing. Um, maybe also keeping Matt O'Reilly. I see there's been some chat about uh, whether or not he's going to stay, uh, and that some teams in the the Premier League are keeping tabs of him. I, I thought he was great when he came in, certainly, certainly in patches last season, uh, and I'd like to see a, a full season of him. So maybe keeping him uh, uh, would make a difference. But yeah, I, I, they should be. And, and, and the short answer is that yes, they should be better than last season, certainly. Rob, your your thoughts on on Celtic for the season? Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be annoyingly good um, again. Unfortunately, um, and it, it does piss me off because they're quite entertaining to watch as well so it's like it's not as if I can hate them like a sort of a good Neil Lennon Celtic team would be easy to hate I find it kind of hard to hate this Celtic team they've got players you know Andy's already mentioned Matt O'Reilly I think is brilliant Furuhashi and Maeda really enjoy watching them play Rio Hatate I think it was important for him to get a little bit of time to well, a little bit of time off really because um, he did seem to tire towards the, the end of the season you've got Jota who's just a phenomenal winger um, for, for this standard of football. Um, and you've brought in like Alexandro Bernabe, for example, uh, from Lanus. And I think that he looks exciting as well. You know, he's, he's all action. He seems like a bit of a hothead, uh, loves to get forward. And, and again, you know, what could potentially be seen as like a, a problem position for Celtic with obviously Greg Taylor really growing into the role at left back last season. You've now got this exciting young Argentinian uh, who can step in there and play the Postecoglou way of football, which is obviously where he bases all of his signings from. Aaron Moy, I think, you know, he'll be a safe set of hands in the middle of the park. I think that he'll he'll do what he's there to do. He understands the Postecoglou way of football, uh, obviously having played under him in the, the national team. And yeah, the, the permanent signing of Cameron Carter and Vickers and, and stuff as well. Yeah, listen, Celtic are a really, really strong side and a really good place. I think that Postecoglou came in a little bit too soon to... <clears throat> pardon me, uh, a little bit too soon before European football uh, last season to really get his ideas implemented in time for them to make a difference in uh, European competition. But because Celtic won the league, uh, I believe they go straight into the Champions League group stage. So uh, again, you know, you've already got three glamour games, six glamour games uh, against huge European op- uh, opponents in which you can try and expand your, your way of football and, and sort of show that on a European stage as well. So Listen, uh, if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be like a Cheshire cat just now. I think I'd be buzzing uh, ahead of this season that's coming up. I think the signings that they have made, very good, very important signings. Guys that obviously the fans were thirsting over, uh, like Carter Vickers and, and Jota to come back in. Benjamin Segrist, he signed too. <laughs> uh, just a, a backup goalkeeper. But yeah, listen, they've, they've strengthened um, whilst maintaining the core of their squad. So I think that uh, I would not be worried in the slightest if I was of the green and white persuasion. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting. Uh, but yeah, and again, I suppose the they're by going straight into the Champions League, they are avoiding the just the, the stress that is trying to qualify for it as well, which is obviously uh, adds a, adds an uncertainty to the start of your season. So our final question of tonight's pods uh, before we get out of here is uh, Aberdeen, uh, who have three free spending Aberdeen, I suppose you say. Uh, Andy, you saw uh, Aberdeen play against uh, your team uh, last weekend. Has Jim Goodwin sorted Aberdeen's defence or uh, will a higher standard of opposition, with no offence to to Reith Rovers uh, and uh, your other uh, (laughs) group members in the the Premier Sports Cup, uh, will will they prove to be uh, a bit more challenging for for Aberdeen, seeing that he's jettisoned uh, uh, much of the defence over the summer? Well, yeah, I think that's the that's the crucial point in this, and he's got the debates in Gallagher and also Considine, uh, and certainly those first two were were a, a major reason why they were so bad last season. Um, so, I, anybody you would think is going to be a step up on, on them, and I think in terms of their their centre halves, I think they they 
or look like they might have. Uh, I think Liam Scales has looked good in the cup games, and obviously you're up against inferior opposition that maybe aren't capable or don't want to press you as much but he looked good coming out uh, from the back with the ball and kind of starting moves off and I think that's partly why they've got him is that he is capable of, of being a bit of a ball playing centre half and I think alongside him and Andy Stewart's come in and uh, kind of taking the captaincy and, and although he's not a big guy, uh, he's not a tall guy, he's he, he quite physically imposing and I think he offers that sort of uh, the, the, the balance to the defence that maybe Liam Scales doesn't have quite the physicality that, that Stuart does and likewise Stuart's maybe not quite as good at, good on the ball as, as Scales is so I think potentially that combination might be might be a good one um, where I'm, they've, they've obviously got Kelly Roos in as well it's kind of harder to judge from a goalkeeping point of view but Joe Lewis has been on the slide for a wee while so bringing in somebody new is, is not necessarily a bad call Um where I was more worried about Aberdeen was down the uh, the right flank where they had Jaden Richardson, who I thought was pretty terrible against us, certainly in the first half, where uh, he was out of position a lot. He, he seemed to be caught out quite a lot. He allowed a lot of crosses to come in from our left, who was like Liam Dick and Darius and neither of whom uh, were, I've been informed recently. Uh, and I just, Liam Dick is generally not that not that great but they, they both uh, got quite a bit of joy down that side and I think that that would potentially be the, the concern for me is that they maybe are a wee bit weaker in the, the fullback position than they have been in the past um, while potentially upgrading the, the centre half pair I think alongside that the how it works in the middle of the park is going to have an impact as well. So I think if the fullbacks are maybe poorer or the fullbacks are kind of bombing on all the time and are leaving space at the back, how does Ross McCrory, how does Ram and Danny, how do they work together to to potentially mitigate some of those issues? So um, I was not hugely impressed by Aberdeen, I have to say, against us. I uh, thought they seeded possession quite a lot and... um, the uh, I think I think there's maybe some concerns certainly defensively, but like I say, I, 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 there's the, the centre half pair and I've got got potential. I, otherwise, maybe there's uh, there's weaknesses that other better teams can exploit. Rob, is the is the perennial problem with building your defence around a Celtic loanee that as good as Liam Scales is? He's going to be, if you have a good season, he's going to be missing for at least four games against Celtic, and if you draw them in the cup. That you're also weakened. Um, is that is that an issue for 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 Jim Goodwin? Yeah, but I mean, it's it's also an issue in the fact that he's he's not your player. So if he does have a good season, he's going to be hard to replace next time out. And and that's that's you know I think a lot of Aberdeen fans are getting a little bit peeved at the signings uh, on loan from Celtic. Um, and obviously they they had a few of them uh, over the, the the past couple of years, but. If you look at it realistically, and I know that this is a bit defeatist, but it's like, how often are you are you going to be expecting to get a great result at Parkhead, for example? Um, and will Liam Scales be the difference between a win, a draw, or a loss at uh, Pataudry? If that is the case, then you are too reliant on a young defender. Uh, and I think that within itself is an issue. Um, I think just looking at it, you know, Jim Goodwin said... Uh, um, that back line doesn't work, so I'm going to sign an entire new one and see what happens. Uh, and I like that, to be honest with you. He's basically just said, nah, fuck it. Uh, let's bring in Anthony Stewart. Let's bring in Liam Scales, Hayden Coulson, Jaden Richardson. All the stars, all the stars have arrived at Pataudry. Um, is, the, is, the bigger achievement, take, is the bigger achievement getting money for David Bates? I mean, he. I assume he has the same agent as Oliver Burke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. getting hunted around yeah. European teams for good money um, yeah I mean that that is remarkable but also though again that means that Aberdeen are probably going to have to sign another new defender because that leaves a hole in the depth um, for, for centre half because as much as Ross McCrory can fill in a gap at right back at centre half you want him to be playing in his best position which is probably going to be the centre of the park uh, alongside the likes of Conor Barron Ramadani all these guys. So, yeah, it means that Aberdeen are probably going to... But the fact that Legia of Orsa are probably going to pay £200,000 uh, for... Da- just say that again. £200,000 for David Bates um, is, is utterly remarkable. It means that they can probably sign an even better defender than the ones they've already signed in this window. But, um, yeah, I, I think more generally looking at Aberdeen... Um, the, the back line will need time to gel. I think that the start of the season might be a little bit difficult for them. They might ship goals. 
but at the same time, you know, these are guys that you're bringing in because you know they can make a difference. Richardson has a, a high ceiling, obviously very promising uh, young fullback, Hayden Coulson. Uh, spent his time at Middlesbrough. Obviously, Wilder doesn't want him there. Um, so, so Jim Goodwin wants to work with him again. I think you've known him from his time at St Mirren. I'm not sure. Anthony Stewart has come in uh, and taken the armband straight away, which tells you how key a component he's going to be. And again, the promising Liam Scales at the back as well. So it's definitely all good players. It's just whether they gel in time for uh, a matter of hours, Duncan, until the, the, the season starts. Well, there we there we, there you have it. We've done it. All twelve clubs. The the key question about them, each of them answered by uh, this panel of experts uh, that we've assembled. Uh, guys, how how excited are we now feeling about about the, the league camp starting on Saturday? I was excited anyway, man. I'm a Hearts fan. I'm fine. How are you feeling? That's uh, that. that to ask me again at four forty-five on, on on Saturday as to to how I feel about this coming season. But no, nah, it'll be it's I, it's going to be fun. I've, I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling your phone's going to ring out, Duncan. <laughs> uh, <that time. laughs> uh, but anyway, Rob and Andy, thank you very much for being part of today's bonus podcast. If you've liked what you've heard or disagreed, don't tell. If you like what you heard, tell people. But if you don't. Uh, like what you've heard then don't tell anyone that's the best thing to do I've heard uh, but we appreciate your support uh, we've got lots of things planned for the for the coming season so uh, thanks again for, for being with us and uh, yeah just thanks again Rob and Andy thank you cheers man and we'll see you all again on Monday bright and breezy when we review the first weekend of SPL Premiership action for season 22-23 take care and enjoy your football Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.